This is the Danger Close Podcast, Beyond the Books, with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original, presented by Six Sour. My guest today is my friend, Chad Prather. Chad is a musician, a comedian, the host of the Chad Prather Show on the Blaze Network, and just an all-around great guy. He is on the front lines of the debate about the First Amendment in particular, which we talk about on this podcast. But he's running for governor of Texas. And you can follow him at watchchad.com. You can link to everything from there. And you can go to Prather, P-R-A-T-H-E-R, 2022.com to find out about his run for governor. Had a great time talking to him. Awesome guy. So now, without further ado... Chad Prather. Yeah, man, let's just hop right in. Let's do it, man. Yeah, you know me, so you know it's got to be a crazy one. Oh, man, always. I'm so fired up for everything you have going on. And Thanks, I mean, I want to jump into some politics with you because you are running for governor of Texas. Is this true? 100% true. We had our first gubernatorial debate last night, so the, things hey. are heating up. No kidding. And so you were you up there last night? I didn't see it. How did that work out? Yeah, no, it was good. Um, it's uh, we've got three primary candidates. Well, there's others, but I've got three. There's three main primary candidates that are that are trying to primary Abbott in 22. So it's pretty intense, man, as you can imagine. Yeah, I want to get to that, but let's take, let's get up to that point. Um, okay, and uh, love the show. You're, I mean, you have a great crew out there. It was so fun to come on set with you and hang out for a little bit. And then we've done one virtually because of COVID, of course. But yeah. uh, you're crushing it with your show. You're on the road doing doing the the stand up type type stuff, uh, and you're running for governor, and you got a lot going, and you have a book out. You got a lot going on. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff going on, man. I love it. Ton I love of it. Stuff. Yeah. So let's let's go. How did you did, like? How did you grow up? Did you uh, grow up with this passion for politics or for uh, no? I mean, well, arguing, I tell you, Jack, debate, you know, so, anything like that. You know, I grew up. Um, I, you know, I. <laughs> To me, it was like I, I grew up with deep convictions, right? So I, I kind of grew up with this sense of right and wrong in the world and, and the way people should be and the way we should treat our neighbors and stuff. And, you know, I just kind of felt like government ought to stay out of our lives, right? It's so, it's so the further we got, it started bothering me, right? As I was, as a young person, like in college, it started bothering me that that people couldn't just discuss ideas and debate and, and have discussions and disagree and still be friends, right? You know, I was at the University of Georgia. And, uh, you know, it was, it, you know, the university setting is kind of a crazy place to try ideas. It's the place you should be trying ideas. And I got this real strong sense of, of what I thought was, you know, injustice in the world. And so I, I became kind of outspoken in regards to that. And it, and it kind of came out in a conservative way, you know, like, I would speak out on campus on various social issues like abortion and small government and, and, and you know, your right to bear arms and things like that. And, and in a liberal arts, leaning towards progressive liberal setting like the university setting, you know, it, it's not always the best position to be in uh, when you're kind of a conservative guy. And then, you know, as I got older, I started watching the world change, right? It went from, you know, the university setting to now it's a cultural setting across the board. And so years ago, when I got into doing humor and comedy, I always said, I said, I'm not going to do political humor. I'm going to stay away from it. I love politics. I love culture, but I'm going to stay away from it. 
That lasted about six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, if Washington, D.C. and our governments and on the state level are going to keep writing the jokes, I might as well tell them. And then it really heated up back in the, in the uh, 2015 primaries, 2016 election. When I didn't like any candidate, right? Like I didn't like any of them on either side. I, I didn't understand. Like Trump made no sense to me. Uh, and like Hillary Clinton definitely didn't make sense to me. But then there were all these other primary candidates. And so I did a video back then saying that trying to figure out which candidate to choose is like trying to figure out which venereal disease you're most okay living <laughs> with for the next four to eight years. <laughs> it's so, it's so, you know, it kind of came around again. I, so, so quite honestly, when I went into the voting booth uh, in 2016, for me, it was, there were two boxes. It was Hillary Clinton and not Hillary Clinton. And so I voted not Hillary Clinton. And, uh, you know, I came around like, I, like, again, I like Trump kind of jumped on the scene and, and things really just kind of snowballed culturally. Right. I mean, everybody was offended by everything. And we saw the advent of uh, this woke culture, you know, woke culture came along and and everybody, you know, social justice issues became the be all end all. And that was the thing everybody was discussing and, and arguing over. But again, back to the original point we lost our ability to debate and discuss and have differing opinions. And so, you know, then we saw cancel culture come along and things like that. And so for me, you know, rather than backing off, I just kind of, it kind of threw fuel on the flame for me. It, it, it increased my desire to, to tell jokes about it on stage, to discuss it on television, to write about it, you know, hence the book and various blog stuff that I do. And so I just kind of started shaping my life over the last six years. And uh, then last year, last year, uh, I kind of saw some infringements that were going on on the state level in Texas with all the coronavirus shutdowns. And so I said, you know what? Put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and, and actually run for office, which is another thing that I said years ago. I said, I'll never run for office. That lasted about five years when I made that commitment to myself. Oh, so better than the six it, weeks. Yeah. Well, you know, that lasted out a little bit longer. I was I was actually in. Uh, I was in South Dakota. I was having dinner. I was sitting there with a group of folks. Uh, Don Trump Jr. was sitting across the table and we were waiting on this was July 2nd of last year. And I was waiting on a uh, senior, you know, the president to come speak at Rushmore the next night for July 3rd. And that was going to be their first fireworks display in like 16 years at Mount Rushmore. And so I'm sitting there. We're having dinner. I'm drinking some wine, you know, feeling pretty good. Beautiful setting. And my phone goes off and I get a notification that says in the state of Texas, Governor Greg Abbott's de deemed certain businesses non-essential. And I was like, man, you know, that, like that's that's a constitutional violation. You start getting into stuff like that. And, and you, just, you just start kind of unilaterally shutting people's businesses down and, and where they can go, whether it's the church or the gym or whatever. And so I don't know if it was because I was drinking wine or because I was sitting across the table from a Trump. But I got on Twitter because that's where you go. Right. And I said, I'm going to run for governor in Texas in 2022 and uh, went to bed that night, woke up the next day. Quite honestly, Jack, to a shit storm, dude. It was like, boom, it was like it was blowing up. People were excited about it. They were fired up. And I realized that, that there were a lot of people who were who were upset with uh, Abbott here in, in Texas. And, and by and large, there's a ton of conservatives across the state that, that just really feel like he kind of dropped the ball. So. We're in it, man. We're in this. We're in this primary season, doing this thing for the election next year. Uh, of course, the book came out. The tour has kind of, you know, the live comedy stuff that I do, as well as music, kind of taking a back seat because of the campaigning. It's just a busy, busy schedule. But 
anyway, you know, I look, I'm more motivated than ever. You know, I'm excited about the world. I'm excited about life. Even when we look at the headlines, we just shake our head and go, my gosh, it's getting crazier and crazier. But I'm, I'm, I'm just excited about things. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're out there because at the end of the day, my wife and I sit down and, you know, we have a glass of wine on the couch. And we're, of course, talking about the, the day's events and what's going on with the kids' <laughs> schools and what kind of a future we're, uh, we're handing over to them and uh, what kind of options and opportunities they're going to have. And it's a little demoralizing. When we're, I try to keep, I try to keep positive with my outward uh, public persona, um, because I, I do think there is a little bit of hope out there because of people like you and, uh, oh, the doggy's back there. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, but it's tough because it seems like, uh, where we used to have this thing, we could all rally around and it was the first amendment, regardless how you thought about anything else as Americans, that was our thing. We would stand up for your right to say whatever, even, especially if we disagreed with you. That was the main yeah. part. As Americans, I'm standing up for you, especially if I disagree with you. And that's what made us different than, than most of the world. And the best ideas would come out in debate and the best ones filter to the top, the marketplace of ideas. I mean, that was what we could all rally around. Now, yeah. that does not seem to be there. Now, we're using no. this First Amendment to divide. It seems like politicians have caught on to the same things that some of the tech companies have known for a long time, which is, hey, they can make money from this division. And politicians are realizing that they can mobilize bases with this division by further dividing people. And and the First Amendment is now fair game. And it seems like this and cancel culture, of course, feeds right into it. So instead of us having this debate and hoping that whoever's idea is the best for all of us filters up to the top there, well, now guess what? If we don't agree with each other, cancel. And that is, uh, that's what worries me more than, than anything else that we can debate about most other things. Um, and that's the whole point of it. But when you're shutting down that debate and stifling what might be a good idea, well, that seems to me that now we're, we're hitting, we're in new territory as a, as a country right now. And so that's really what worries me. And you're in the front lines of that. You have a show, so you're saying what you think each and every day. Um, you have a book. And you're up there on stage. So your whole life is really revolving around that First Amendment and allowing you to do what you do by this God-given right. And uh, and that's what really worries me probably more than anything else when I think about it is the the council culture that's out there that's uh, where we don't have Americans standing up for the First Amendment and standing up for those with whom we disagree. You know, you know, the old adage, like, I may disagree with you in what you say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it, right? You know, when I was at the University of Georgia, right in the center of campus, we had a little little platform underneath a, a little oak tree there, and it was called the, the uh, free speech platform. And if you just, in the middle of the day, you're walking by there, you got something on your chest, you want to get it off, you can step up on that platform and start talking. Maybe people will listen and maybe they won't, right? And that, that, that concept is dead, right? Like that idea is gone. And, and what I keep telling people, and it's kind of the principles of the book. You know, when I, when I wrote this book, it, for me, it was kind of my common sense guide to the end of the world. It's like little <laughs> short rantings about various topics that are going on, whether it's personalities that make the headlines or, you know, how culture is attacking our parenting or our government, all these various cultural things. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned something, you know, you sit around the table, you talk to your wife, you talk to your kids. And at the end of the day, you know, as a parent, I'm a parent of five. It's, it's your responsibility to build identity into those kids, into that next generation. And so we expect the schools to do it, but schools aren't going to do it because they've just become brainwashing institutions. They, they're just really kind of, you know, picking apart our kids and shaping their minds the way they want it to go. 
And that ultimately uh, benefits that culture they want to foster. And then we send them off to college, right? And they don't really know who they are. They don't have a sense of identity and know where they're going. So there's no sense of destiny. And so when they graduate after four or five years and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on a quote education, you know, they got a degree in what? Undecided. They don't know who they are. I read a statistic years ago that said since the advent of social media, that people change careers seven times by the age of 35 because there's so many things that are thrown at us and we really don't know. And the majority of people who are in a career don't use the uh, degree that they, that they went and got. So when you look at something like that, we've got to shape that identity because if you don't, then you wind up with people who are insecure in themselves. And if you're insecure with who you are, you don't know how to handle a differing opinion. You take it as, a, as an offense, right? And so now we live in this offended culture where people are collecting offenses like currency. Well, you can't, you can't spend offendedness, but people collect it, right? You look at the Dave Chappelle special that everybody's talking about right now. You know, the cancel culture came after him because of things that he said. Uh, and he's like, I'm not going to apologize. Uh, you know, this is cancel culture. Give me more of it. And that's why, you know, I, the byline of my book there is an unapologetic patriot takes on the insanity of today's woke world. You got to be unapologetic because if you start apologizing, you will keep apologizing. And that offended culture, that lack of identity culture is going to come at you and they're going to want to wipe you off the scene. And so that's why I say, you know, in the world of comedy, doing what I do, I love everybody. I love everybody, especially when they buy tickets to my show. I really <laughs> love them. Or they go to watchchat.com and buy a book or they buy a shirt, you know. And, uh, and we look, we love to offend. I mean, look at this shirt, 1776, <laughs> bitches. You know, that, that's kind of my motto right there. That's, I want us to be that free. That's probably your least offensive shirt. I've seen a, I've seen a bunch of them. They're, fan, they're fantastic. <laughs> right? I mean, I, we put this stuff out there because I want to trigger people. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean I don't love you. Like, I love you, but I still i am going to reserve the right to make fun of you. Right? Because if I'm going to make fun of me and I'm in the comedy business, mocking is in the job description. So, so I don't care if you're gay, straight, black, white, fat, skinny, trans, or how you identify or what your gender pronouns or any of that is, I'm going to make fun of you. Like that's, that's what we do. And it's okay. But I think that people need to get some sense of identity and I go on, God forbid I do, I go on TikTok, right. And I, and I start seeing these videos. These people says, okay, I'm going to identify as a this, 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 and this. And I'm like, holy shit. Like your parents really did a poor job of giving you a sense of identity, right? And, and the world is just going to keep disappointing you uh, because we don't know who we are. I, I, so the TikTok thing, um, I just recently got an account just so no one else would get one. Uh, and the yeah. Jack Car USA. And uh, I didn't want some 16-year-old kid just getting that or whatever. So my, my uh, web designer grabbed it. And then he said, hey, do you mind if I put up a couple of videos? And I said, yeah, no, go ahead. No, you can do that one. I do, I do the Instagram. I do the Twitter. Uh, I think the Facebook repost from the Instagram. But anyway, the there's too many things for to juggle for one person. So he's he's got the right. he's got the TikTok, but uh, I put up a picture of just me shooting some steel, just shooting some steel. That's it. Uh, I think it was fifty seventy five a hundred with an out of the box sig with a with a red dot sight on it. Bam, that's it. Uh, yeah, it got flagged for illegal activity and taken down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then the kids show me some of the other stuff that's on TikTok. Holy, yeah. that's insane. I know. Look, like Jack, not illegal, you know, I, not illegal to shoot some steel. It's no. fine. Nothing's illegal about that. Uh, but yeah, that's what they threw the label illegal activity on them. Not that's selling crazy. anything, not selling one thing. But uh, anyway, it's just it's just amazing how much power these different platforms have. And we're walking essentially right into an L-shaped ambush where you have uh, yeah. half the political 
spectrum over here, maybe even more. And then you have big tech over here. And in the military, you walk into that ambush, and so it's not like this, you're not shooting each other, but the L-shaped ambush, yeah. for those that are watching, you got fire going this way and fire going this way, and you're caught in the middle. And it seems like uh, like those of us that, that hold some of these conservative values and views uh, and want to hand off to the next generation some of the same opportunities and freedoms that, that we had growing up uh, are walking right into that ambush. And it's, uh, yeah. and it's just because there are no other places to go if you want to have a, uh, have these different platforms and, and, uh, and essentially build a business online that people couldn't have done 30 years yeah. ago, 40 years ago. Well, now that's a part of having a business is having this online presence. Yeah. Um, so it's just tough. It seems like we're walking right into this, this ambush. And another part of that is when you think about, let's say 2000 ish, I think that's probably the first time I started noticing it, uh, a little bit past maybe is when so certain voices would go to college campuses and they'd get shout, shouted down. Uh, mm -hmm. They would be, uh, you know, people breaking things, sit, whatever it was, so that a certain viewpoint could not have a platform on a college campus. And so what happened? Yeah. Most of the college administrators, they bowed down to that. And so these kids who are in college saw that it worked. They saw that being offended and throwing these temper tantrums and shouting down people who you didn't agree with, not debating them, but just shouting them mm -hmm. down, it worked because they got the administrations to take the action they want, which was to not allow that voice on campus. So guess what? That person who was 20 years old in 2005 who did that, well, how old are they now? And where are they? And in what industry? And that same tactic is working uh, across the yeah. board, whether it's in their specific industry or what they do outside of their job by piling on to cancel other people just on the personal side of their lives. So it, that, yeah. that was a, a real turning point, I think. Yeah, you know, cancel culture is an interesting phenomenon, and it really is a cultural fight to the death, right? Uh, they want you off the map. They want you off the scene. Uh, and, and listen, it's, that's not a, it's not a left issue or, or, it's, or a right issue. We try to assign that to the people we disagree with. Oh, you're trying to cancel me. No, that's everybody. Everybody, again, is so thin-skinned in this day and age. They, they just don't want to hear the voices that they disagree with. That's why I encourage people. You know, again, I go back to the world of comedy. And there's two places, there's two places, uh, Jack, that, that you should be, um, there should be free speech and that speech should make you uncomfortable. One is the pulpit in the church and another is the comedy stage, right? They should be places that cause introspection, discomfort, self-analysis, uh, you know, a, a motivation to change how you are. And, and believe it or not, comedy should do that. Um, but the churches have gotten watered down, right? They're just motivational speeches and another place to get a good cup of coffee in the lobby. And then, you know, the, the comedy stage has now become a place where the, 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 the craftsman doesn't work for uh, laughs. He works for applause, he or she. And, and so that's not it. You know, and I think that when you look at guys historically like George Carlin or Lenny Bruce, these guys went to jail over telling jokes. You know, they made a sacrifice for free speech. And whether you agreed with their jokes or not, you got to respect that sacrifice. And these days we're kind of dumping that out. Like when Jerry Seinfeld, who is not offensive, says, I'm not going to go on a college campus anymore because, you know, it's just not worth it. Or Kevin Hart, you know, makes a joke about his fear of his son becoming gay because he's playing with a Barbie dollhouse. And he tweets that 10 years ago and cancel culture comes after him. And now he has to go on this apology tour you know, all across the country. And every time he's on TV, he's on like Ellen. And I mean, he's like, I don't know when Ellen got to absolve sins, like she's the gay Pope or something, but like, you know, that's where he was doing it. And I'm like, Kevin, stop apologizing. 
you know, you made a joke. It's about your kid. I get it. You offended some people. Um, you know, I'm good friends with, um, I'm going to throw him under the bus here. I'm good friends with Larry, the cable guy. And uh, I, I texted Larry a couple of years ago. I did a, I did a, uh, I just lay in there in bed one night and I started writing a, a parody of the night before Christmas. And I did it from the perspective of uh, if, if Santa Claus were gay, okay? And there were two gay Santas and they're at the North Pole and they're having a jolly good time, right? And it was just, it was just a night at the North Pole. And, and so anyway, they found a stray cat and it goes down and it's a real funny punchline when it gets down to it. I, I would tell you, but I'm not. And so um, I send this to Larry, the cable guy. And I said, dude, I said, um, I said, I can't do this joke anywhere. You can't do it. I said, but send it to somebody who can because because it's a good one. So it's just not going to fit my audience. And years ago, Larry, you know, he got stuck with the, with the gay community that really came after him over some jokes. And he told me, he said, man, if it, you know, if I ever go after the gay community again, he said with jokes, he said, it's not just going to be seasonal, right? <laughs> not just going to be a Christmas joke. He said, because you've got to realize that regardless of what community is, and you can flip-flop that because, because I look, I've been attacked by everybody, including conservatives, man. I took a picture the other day with my friend, Troy Aikman. You know, Troy Aikman's a friend of mine. I've known Troy for a while, and we did a benefit for breast cancer Sunday, and I took a picture, posted it on my social media, and man, they came after me, right? Because that hot mic thing with him and Joe Buck talking about the flyover and the new, new administration, and people interpreted that all different ways. And man, it's like the conservatives are coming at you ready to cancel you because how dare you take a picture with a guy like Troy Aikman? I'm like, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback for crying out loud. Of course, I'm going to post a picture with him. So that's the insanity of the world we're living in, man. Nobody's exempt from it. Nope. And it is. It is both sides for sure. And, uh, you know, I used to think that it was, and maybe it is more one side than the other. Um, uh, yeah. I, I think that I think I can, I'm safe. I think that's true. I mean, that's obviously I have no data in front of me to back that up, but I, I think I'm safe in saying that. Uh, I think that's true. But uh, at the same time, we're not exempt on uh, on the right hand side on the conservative side of thing on the side that is uh, for free speech and debate and the marketplace of ideas. Um, well, those people who say those things, some of them, I mean, they're like if you post a picture uh, of uh, an actor. Uh, or like, like you did, let's say, I, I really like the movie Red Dawn. So I post that, uh, and then on the date that it came out, yeah. someone, multiple people will find an actor in Red Dawn who said something anti-gun at some point or that, uh, supported a democratic candidate and they will get all angry that I posted a yeah. poster of Red Dawn from 1984. So you're what? <laughs> I, and then they took time to do that. Like you only have a certain amount of time yeah. on this earth and you get to choose how you're going to spend that time, what you're going to do with that time, uh, how you're going to influence those around you with that time. And you choose to be negative and tear down based off almost nothing. So it just shows me just how people are, are pre-programmed now to be triggered and angry based on things that should not make you angry. Uh, no, they I'm just saying I liked Red like Dawn. You know, that's it. You know, but it doesn't even have to be that. Yeah. It could be anything. It could be a, a book I put up. Hey, I love this book. Someone will find something. Or, hey, I love this other movie. Put, I mean, I put a picture of Commando up the other day. So 1985, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, I mean, it was just anger, anger, anger about the, the freedom yeah. thing that he said. Uh, and I wasn't saying anything about that. I'm just saying Commando was fun <laughs> when I was in sixth grade. You know, that's, that's it. Yeah. You know, I moved. Like, yeah, I had a crush on Alyssa Milano. You know, and I don't like <laughs> oh, her. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's it. I, I, I've done that before. People mention Alyssa Milano in that movie. She's not even on the movie poster. I mean, maybe her name is that you can't even read. But uh, very angry. 
people get very, very angry about that. And, you know, that's not the left that's jumping on that there and doing that. That's uh, that's people that you would think would be about free speech and ideas and all these other things. They just get very angry. Um, so I think, man, it's just yeah. and, and that discourages me. So when I see things like that, I'm like, oh, my gosh, if we're getting upset about Alyssa Milano from a 1985 movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger that was fun when you're 10, 11, 12 years old. It's kind of cool. Uh, today, all these years later, that's what's making us all angry. And then you want to attack, attack me over it on a, I mean, it's, it's not a big deal, right? But it just goes to show just how programmed people are to get upset. Instead of swiping by it and just moving on, they get in yeah. there and now have a platform to attack you. It's very odd. It really is. And you especially. You know, I've, I've told you in the past about how much I admire your Instagram because, like, you're meticulous, dude. Like, you go in, you type out all these, you know, today in history, and you spell out, you know, you got six pictures that walk you through a narrative of things that happen. And, and then you'll do, like, you know, authors, right, and, and these creators that are out there. And sometimes you'll read the comments, and it's like, oh, this guy was a neo-Marxist. And, you know, I mean, these people who suddenly everybody's an expert on everything and every person. So I admire you for sticking it out there the way you do, man. It's, you know, look, at the end of the day, you just got to do it, right? You just got to put it out there. And, and, you know, I go back to the old adage, you know, those that mind don't matter and those that matter don't mind. And and you have to understand where we're coming from, right? You and I are, uh, you know, using a craft uh, yours in your way, mine in my way to, to impact culture, you know? And so, you know, like when I read your books, when I read a James Reese novel and I'm reading this character to me, you know, it, and it's something that Glenn Beck said about Brad Thor a while back. And it stuck with me about him writing, not fiction, but faction. And you do that. Like when I read your books, I'm like, I'm learning something, you know, I, I like I'm being educated I mean, my God, I, I've spent more money on gear because of your <laughs> stupid books, Jack. Nice. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I mean, you send out a, you not only talk about it in the book, you send out a freaking guide, dude. Like you, you have like a map to all the stuff uh, that you can kill people with. And uh, our I remember I was, uh, I had a fun conversation with our buddy, our mutual friend, Clint Emerson, uh, uh, a while back. He's coming on my show again uh, next week. Nice. But, uh, I, I call, I texted Clint one day and I said, I said, I know you like fixed blade knives. Uh, do you, you prefer like half face blades or Amtec or, and he goes, he goes, do Amtec. He said, cause if I'm going to gut a human being, that's what I would want. And I was like, well, I was kind of opening letters, you know? <laughs> you have more options with the opening letters thing. So <laughs> you got to preface yeah. that. You got to be specific with Clint when you're talking about these things, you know, cause you're going to, you're going to, yeah. you're definitely going to get a direct answer. I was uh, I was talking to uh, my buddy Spencer Corson. You know, Spencer's got his uh, safety trap book out, and he was on my show, and and we were talking about Clint. You know, Clint's got hundred deadly skills yeah. and the right kind of crazy, and all those books out that just really tell you how to how to get away from things and kill people. And uh, I and then Spencer's book is all about how to not get into danger. And he made the comment about Clint's books. He said, listen, if, if you're reading Clint's books, it's because you didn't read mine. <laughs> like if you're already bound in the truck, Trump yeah. wanting to know how to get out, you should have read my book and you would have never been in the trunk. That's so funny. I was watching that video last night because I was looking at how to pick handcuffs. You know, I just wanted to see what Clint was saying. And as part of that video, he's like in the trunk showing you how to get out and what years have the, like the glow in the dark thing and which don't and how to do that. So that was, uh, yeah, Clint's, Clint's awesome. Uh, that, and that was fun when we came on your show that, that day. Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Uh, but also it's interesting. So, so when you bring up characters in books, so 
Um, so for me, that's kind of what I do through the novels is that, yeah, you think you're pulling a political thriller off the shelf, a spy novel off the shelf, but at the same time, you're getting an education in hunting and conservation or my characters uh, and then mine uh, opinion on uh, second amendment restrictions or whatever it it might be. And people get very angry about that too. When I go to the Amazon reviews, I read some negative Mm -hmm. reviews every now and again, and I'll flip through and I'll see these things. And for me, it's, there are plenty of books out there where the protagonist is armed all the time, no matter what state he's in or what what country in the world they are in. And they never mention whether it might be legal or illegal and his thoughts on that, or maybe even her thoughts on that. Um, well, my character is going to have some thoughts on that. If he's going to California and he's not supposed to, he's not just, he's going to think about that. There are plenty of books that play it safe and aren't going to mention that at all. And their, their character is going to have no political affiliation. Um, and that's, interesting because most of the people that I served with, uh, went down range with, went into combat with, um, you know, they had opinions on, on things and they had opinions, especially about second amendment and, uh, serving their country and then coming home and maybe not being allowed to carry a weapon and protect their family if they so Mm -hmm. choose in a certain state. Um, so I weave all that in. Um, and that's just how it's, it's going to be there. Plenty of every other book almost you can go to and pick that one if it's going to offend you that yeah. my character has some opinions on these things. Because I'm not going to change just to hope that I don't offend someone or that I appeal to more of the masses. No, my character's going to have opinions on these things. That's how it goes. Yeah. If you don't like it, there are plenty. Luckily for you, there are thousands of other books out there to choose. Uh, and that's what's great yeah. about this country. You're allowed to do that. Uh, so it's, 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 but, it's very but interesting. You know what, Jack? Jack one, of the thing, one of the things that people have to realize, though, is it's being thrust upon us whether we want it or not. Like, for instance, right here in the state of Texas, and it's happening all over the country, right? They're starting to do these vaccine mandates, and, and, and the mandates are for, like, the National Guard. If you don't, or, or even the, the Texas State Guard, if you don't get it, then you're going to get a dishonorable discharge. And some of our military, if you don't get a dishonorable discharge. Well, that means you can't buy a firearm, right? If, if you get dishonorably discharged. I don't know. That, is that the same I mean, as a felony? The, I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, I mean, there's there's whatever article that is that, that like I'm like that's one of the ramifications is you can't even buy a firearm going forward. But that 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 in and of itself, like whether you want this or not, if there, there's so many ways, it doesn't matter how offended you get, and that's the point that I keep making is it doesn't matter how offended you get by content or creators, like it's getting thrust upon you, right? And these are things that are happening that, that you have to have discussions with people now because you say, well, I don't, I just want to leave politics out of it. Well, the problem is politics has decided not to leave you out of it. Like it's coming at you. And, and so it's a, it's a, it's a nasty, gnarly deal that's out there, man. Oh yeah. And, uh, and, but I know I get it. I, I see people all the time. They're like, yeah, we can't watch your show because you go too far on this or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well understand that there's a certain element of entertainment value to it as well. You know, like somebody came to me and they came to a political event. They said, man, you, you sure are different when you're talking about politics and policy in the state, you know, and I said, well, you know, imagine if I'm a plumber and I go out there and I deal in, in, in pipes and crap all day long. I don't come home and just dig into my toilet and start messing with the ball valves. You know, there's a real person and then there's the entertainment person as well. And I said, you know, it, when it comes to, you know, being serious about certain things, I know when to be serious. And, and I don't think a lot of times folks don't know how to separate that these days. So it's a real thing. It's coming. It's coming for us no matter what. Yep. No. And it's uh, I mean, what's great about about your show it's great about comedy is that you force people to think that's why i think it's so important for people that don't agree with you to watch your show be entertained by your show and maybe even 
think about things a little bit, a little bit differently yeah. because they, uh, cause you're a likable guy. You're saying things sometimes in a very humorous way and you're causing people to think conservatives and, and liberals. And it's, uh, it's fantastic. But, you know, going back to the college campus thing real quick, um, I think before, let's take it back, let's say 70s, 80s, 90s. I think mm -hmm. you could still go, and even though all these institutions from uh, were, were very left-leaning for the most part, you weren't bombarded constantly through your phone with these, uh, with yeah. these, this very, you know, left-leaning, threatening, like you, you must believe this or you could go and you could kind of figure things out. People weren't yet being shouted down if they had a conservative point of view and you could go and listen to them. Um, you could read different books. You could talk to different professors. You could sit there and listen and kind of think about it yourself. You weren't constantly bombarded in class, out of class, yeah. any electronic device you turn on, anything you turn on on TV, whatever it might be. It wasn't so constant and so almost one-sided, especially on college. You had time to grow. And I feel like now it seems it is very, it's much more difficult to use that time, to use those four years for your undecided degree to actually grow and, uh, and yeah. put some thought into things, to build a foundation uh, uh, in maybe history, writing, whatever interests you. Um, maybe you're going to use it later in life, maybe not, but to use that time to grow. Now it is just like you get on our side or else. And here's, here's yeah. your talking points and you're just repeating because you're retweeting. You're not looking at the tweet. And then thinking, oh, you know what? I don't really know that much about this. Let me put the requisite time, energy, and effort into the study of whatever mm -hmm. this issue is, uh, the historical background of it, and then come back. And then maybe I'll retweet or not, because the person who just tweeted that probably did not put the time, energy, and effort into studying the issue either. They just have a platform and just shot something off. Um, so there's not that pause between, ah, uh, okay and the retweet or the piling on with whatever you think you're supposed to say because you've been programmed that way from yeah. big tech and friends and everything else over the last X number of years. There's not that pause to take a breath. And that's why it's so important to read because reading, ah, yeah. you're turning off or you're at least away from your phone a little bit. I recommend putting it in another room, sitting down, read, diving in to, to this book and not having your phone right there for the distraction. But reading this book and you get to some of these chapters and some of these, the chapter titles are hilarious by the way but you get to something and you're like i mean blame the dog smelly women uh crazy feminist toxic masculinity 50 shades of gray that's a good one because it's such a good point yeah. um that you make in that one and uh they're bratty kids <laughs> uh yeah the tyranny of the three-year-old so there's the chapters are hilarious your mom writes the forward which is great uh yeah. I, I love that um but taking the time to sit down with whatever book it is and just read, think, yeah. uh, let it settle. Go, if something interests you in here that you find out about, you want to know a little bit more, well, guess what? There's some other books out there that can uh, that can help build that foundation even, even further. So uh, I think it's just so important to not be constantly bombarded, not constantly be retweeting, not constantly be offended, not constantly be triggered. But take a breath and yeah. study and read. So that's, uh, and, and, and this is a fantastic one to jump in with, uh, for people that don't know, uh, who you are out there and don't know what you're, what you're doing and what your message is. And, uh, I just love that you, you, uh, when you speak, you, you actually require people to think and it's fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. And I, you know, I say, you know, we wrote that, I wrote that it was pretty short chapters. I call it a bathroom book. And, and <laughs> right now there's no toilet paper on the shelf. So it's, it can be a consumable book. Like you like, you can just use this toilet paper and go buy another book. I'm, I'm all for it. The consume the book and buy method of getting onto the bestseller nice. list. Um, 
But, you know, that, that book, I, I, I've always been a firm believer in trying to take common sense, wrap it in humor and make it an easier pill to swallow. Sometimes uh, it requires a little humor and, and it doesn't matter what side you're on. Uh, I, you know, obviously I write from a conservative perspective because I think that way. But I want I want people to find themselves kind of nodding and going, that's a good point. Uh, and laughing along with it and uh, and walking away going, OK, this guy, he's definitely crazy. But but he made me think about a couple of things. Yeah. So I hope people will get the book. I hope they'll enjoy it. And I'm, I'm going to work. I'm, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to finish. I started a while back. I'm going to write a book. It's a, it's a fiction book. I'm, I'm writing a book about a guy from like 1885 who's a cowboy in the West who happens into like this wormhole and he travels into 21st century America. And here's this rough as a cop guy who's had to shoot his way out and make his way. And now he's, he's, he's thrust into a whole new world. Uh, and so I, I started playing with that in my imagination a while back. And I thought, you know, that, that could lead to some pretty violent encounters. <laughs> it, probably immediately. You know, I, yeah. I'm actually working on a piece of fiction that I think will be fun for readers as well. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It wouldn't take too long. I don't think because people were a lot more polite <laughs> back then because there were consequences to your actions. You didn't have That's this, right. uh, this digital courage. I forget who told me that someone, someone told me about digital courage and, you know, kind of like yeah. liquid courage, but uh, digital behind that keyboard. And, uh, you're just, uh, and who else? I think Andy Stump was saying, he tells his kids, hey, don't put anything online that you wouldn't say to somebody if you were locked in an elevator with them. Yeah. Like that's, that's, right. that's good advice, I think. You know, be be polite. I mean, obviously it's it's good to have a, a backup plan and be prepared to uh, to take anybody out that that threatens you or your, your family with violence. But at the same time, yeah. be kind. Be kind. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. And uh, but yeah, saying not saying anything to someone you wouldn't say to them if you were you were stuck in an elevator uh, with them is a is a good I think way to frame it for kids. I I still I do a comedy bit about what the world would be like if we still had duels, it, it, yeah. and just how it would be. Oh, yeah. like how it'd be different. Like you just walk up and slap somebody in the face with your glove Love, and yeah. say, "You know, <laughs> <this is> on." <laughs> it'd be a whole not. It'd be a lot nicer. Like people would just wouldn't get as offended as easily. Yeah, you know? think twice. Like, you know what? it forces bad. you to think twice. Like, is that worth it? I don't know. Right. That guy looks pretty quick. <laughs> that guy yeah. looks pretty quick to go to the gun. I, I might not want to be as rude as uh, uh, as I was contemplating being. Uh, so I think you're into it. I think that guy coming back, coming into the future from from that time. And, you know, people always ask, not always ask me, I've been asked like, hey, what, when would you like to have grown up or have been born? And I think 1855 would be a good year to be yeah. born um, because I think you'd be 18 when the cult single action comes out. So I think that's a good, you're quick. 18 is pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. you, you might not have the wisdom but, uh, but, but, but you had the reflexes. So I think it'd be a good time. Then you can build those, that wisdom over the years. So I, I don't know. I think that might be a good, a good time to be out, uh, because Hey, people were, were maybe a little more polite back then because there were consequences. Yeah. Um, but Hey, how did the, how did the show come about? Like, how did the, how did the Glenn Beck studio and how did all that come about? And I love what he says about you on the cover, by the way, Chad is a <laughs> verbal cannon with common sense. Uh, I love it. And speaking of common sense, <laughs> Carl Van Klauschewitz, who wrote On War, uh, his, he said that one of the most important attributes of a combat leader is common sense. And yeah. that's why when people with no military background uh, haven't spent any time in the pages of books on strategy or uh, tactics or whatever else, uh, are looking at what happened in Afghanistan and can say, hmm, it seems like we rushed that at the end there. And why did we give up yeah. Bagram in our embassy and put all those soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines at that gate where everybody was congested. And that doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah. Cause it, 
you have common sense, whoever is saying that, uh, which yeah. is lacking in some of our senior level leadership, both civilian and military. Um, so yeah, it's that common sense piece. So I love that he said that, a verbal cannon with common sense. But how did, how did that all come <laughs> about? How did you get this, this show and how did that uh, transpire? Glenn, Glenn's such a gracious guy. He's, he's super smart too, right? Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't quite live on the same planet the rest of us do. But um, I was doing a podcast. You know, I've always run my mouth. I was doing television and radio. And then, uh, you know, I went viral because, you know, you know, again, that term viral is so funny to me. You know, I, I, for me, I'd be going in to do a television show at the studio. Years ago, I was doing a cable network. And I'd be sitting in traffic and I'd just pop my camera phone up on the dashboard of my truck and I would record these 60 second videos. It's kind of my therapy in traffic. And I'd post them and they wound up going viral. Millions of people started watching this craziness. And uh, my mother, I can remember, she called me on the phone and uh, this was like 2014, 15. She said, she said, are you sick? And I said, no, why? And she said, because somebody told me at church that you went viral. <laughs> and uh, I said, they're talking about my Facebook and my Twitter. She said, you're too old to be messing with your Twitter. <laughs> and uh, I said that I didn't have the nerve to tell her about my Snapchat. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, so out of that, I started podcasting. I've always kind of been the person who would talk to anybody as long as they'd stand still or walk slow. And so I found this medium of podcasting and started doing that. And uh, I was with Podcast One out of Beverly Hills, and I was doing that for a while. And then uh, the guys at Levin TV or CRTV, they came to me and they said, hey, we want to do it, but we want to do a video formatted podcast. And so... They wound up merging with Blaze, which, of course, was Glenn Beck's deal. And uh, I kind of got thrown in there by default. That was three years ago. And so now it's not even a podcast, Jack. It's, it's, it's more like a TV yeah. show with commercials and the whole thing. It's on Monday through Thursday night. We're about to add a Friday night episode nice. at the first of the year. And uh, I, I, like, I like this type of long-form podcast. I, honestly, I miss it. And I'm going to go back to doing some more of it. I'm probably going to do a show called Chad Prather Unapologetic. And uh, we'll just see how it goes. But, but man, uh, they've been so good to me, man. They're a blessing. Uh, hopefully, they'll continue being good to me because my contract is up at the end <laughs> of the year. And I've kind of gotten used to being in that studio. You've seen yeah. it. It's phenomenal. Love it. It's, it's a great studio in there. And, uh, no, it's just been a blessing, man. You know, it's, we live in a great world. We can make a living running our mouth or typing our words and, and just, you know, just kind of recreating ourselves into the minds and hearts of people. And it's a blessing to be able to do that. I used to drive down the street and I'd see the billboards on the side of the highway that had the news anchor team on there. And I was like, yeah, I can do that job. Like I, like I could do that uh, if I could just figure out a way to do it. And then, of course, the advent of social media came around and I thought, well, hey, this is almost like owning your own television network. I can put whatever content on there I want. And, and I was fortunate enough to kind of win that lottery and it, and it went out. You know, my, my little truck videos have now been viewed over 2 billion with a B times on Facebook. That's crazy. Alone. So, dude, that's a lot of wasted time for people. <laughs> what that is. That's a lot of wasted time. Uh, but it's, it's insane what's, what, what this world we're living in can do uh, in terms of being able to get your voice out there. So I, I tell people, I say, we got to fight more than ever for that free speech. We really do. Because it, it's, it's, you know, I've got a chapter in the book. I did a video back in 2017 in my truck, and I named a chapter. It, it says, yes, I beat my kids. And I, I, they tried to send me to Facebook jail a couple of weeks ago by digging that four-year four video, four-year-old video up. And it was talking about when I played my kids when they were growing up and I was playing them in chess or something like that. I didn't let them win. 
And so, again, you see the title, which, of course, is provocative. And they think, oh, this is about child abuse, or some kind of graphic. And I was like, no, I just never let my kids win because I don't believe in participation trophies. I want you to earn it. And I, you know, I joke about, you know, I'm going to paint the wall with the blood of your knights and palms. And, and so, you know, it, it's stuff like that, that, that you put stuff out there and they come at you and they just want to. Like you mentioned shooting steel, man. Hey, by the way, did, do you get nervous? Like you're a Navy sniper. You're a SEAL sniper. Uh, when you go out there and they, they're standing around watching you shoot and they hit that buzzer, does it make you nervous? Like I'm about to shit the bed. Uh, like, like, not, I mean, I have such a, the, the foundation is fairly it. solid there. So it's not like, uh, you know, I just picked it up a year ago or I just picked it up a few weeks right. ago. And now I'm, now it's my time. Now finally someone is, is videoing me. It's, uh, you know, and I realize, hey, if, if I if I mess it up, um, I learn. So kind of like jujitsu, you know, you win or you learn. Uh, same thing in trance, why it's called yep. training. You know, we're out there to, to, to learn and it's a perishable skill, obviously. But the foundation is fairly solid. So I don't get uh, overly nervous about about that sort of thing. Um, it's more fun. But I got very lucky like, on that video I, when I, I went 50, 75, 100 out of the box. Because it was like, it was legit out of the box. And that's what I'm like, all right, champ yeah. retires on top. You also got to know when to retire. You got to know when to step away and uh, and retire on top. So uh, I, I, I see your video shooting, and I'm like, you know, obviously I, I expect to be impressed, right? When you do it, then I then I see other people, and I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a little nervous for them already. <laughs> but I'm like, I know they're gonna hit it, or they wouldn't have posted the video, right? So yeah, sometimes unless I, it's a blooper, I, I you know, unless there's a blooper. I don't think I've ever done a, have done a retake on uh, on anything like that before. Not not saying I wouldn't. Uh, especially for going for something specific, but you know, when you're at Terran yeah. Tactical on the range out there, there's so many people around, and they're all they have high expectations, uh, like like you just said. But there's no retake. I mean, you're like you're going, and everybody right. has a phone out. So if you do retake it, like people are gonna know. So you it's just gotta not, do it. You just gotta go, and uh, and that's just how it, it is. I, I did a video. We did a, we did a, a, a shooting competition. Uh, I guess it's been about two years ago. We were doing it for social media and uh, we were out at a friend's ranch and I and I took a nine millimeters a Glock 19 had the chamber open and I took the the, the round and I put it on the end of the barrel and I flipped it up it went Whoa. in and I closed the chamber and I shot it was beautiful except I missed the target oh <laughs> man we call that I, I found that's called fixing it in post so on the, on yeah, the set exactly. of the terminal list for Amazon, they're filming an eight part series for my first novel with Chris Pratt. And that's a, a term that I came to understand over the last year of filming is like, <laughs> fix it in post. We got to get to the next, uh, next scene. Right. So I got, that's how I was framing 2020. I said, Hey, we're going to fix it in post. And 2021 yeah. was supposed to be post, but post production <laughs> in 2021 doesn't look, we're still messing it up. We still have some editing to do. We still have, uh, still have some work to do, uh, on our, on our nation. And, uh, and yeah. speaking of that, like a part of it for me also is that all of these inputs, it seems, encourage us to not forgive, to uh, forget about having grace and dignity um, and mm. encourage us to act in the opposite way. Um, and if we can't learn to, to forgive one another, to, to, to disagree with one another without wanting to cancel each other, um, it's like we're up for a rough road ahead. And I don't know how as a nation, we turn this around, especially when both politicians and tech companies have seen the value of division for themselves, not for the country, but for them. Uh, and so I'm just yeah. not sure how we get back on track. And that's, uh, that's probably what worries me more than anything else. Yeah, we, we've got, we've got a lot of turmoil and a lot of pressure from without and within. Um, 
Because let's face it, you're a man of conviction. I'm a man of conviction. Everybody we know, they have their convictions. You know, I've always said, you cut somebody, they bleed their version of red, white, and blue. They have their sense of patriotism. It doesn't matter which wing they're on or, or where they, they, they describe themselves. But there's a lot of pressures on the outside. Big media, big tech, Silicon Valley, they love us divided. They really do. And grace is a beautiful thing. Uh, that's why I say I don't judge anybody. Like, like I again, I make fun of everybody because that's kind of my job. And I, it just comes natural. But I make fun of me more than anything. And, and I know that as a flawed human being, you know, uh, the, the New Testament says we, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I like to say we have God's glory in cracked pots. And so, you know, we, 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 you have to learn to admire each other's cracks and our flaws and our faults and learn to accept somebody warts and all. And we've gotten to the point where we start focusing on those things so much. So uh, an ounce of grace and a little bit of forgiveness and, and a little mercy really goes a long way, man. And we need more of it in this day and age, that's for sure. I think so. And uh, I know you got, you have campaigning to do, so I'm going to let you go here in a few minutes. But uh, when we circle back to seeing people who were traditionally thought of as very left-leaning, particularly in the in, in comedy space, uh, let's mm -hmm. say like a Bill Maher. And he yeah. looks at something from a logical perspective and he throws a little comedy in there. Um, every now and then yeah. he throws some common sense in there. Uh, I think he looks long-term and sees what used to, used to be able to say would be his side coming back and eating themselves. Like if people on yeah. the left are attacking a Bill Maher or a bunch of other people who it's come back to get, uh, wow, uh, we're, we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you, you take a guy like Bill Maher who just like, he gets it right. And, and again, he just gets it. And so he sees the circular firing squad and, and you start devouring your own. And, and that logical and philosophical house of cards, it kind of falls in on itself with just a breath of common sense. And, you know, a guy like Bill Maher, who he and I are not going to agree on the political spectrum in a lot of ways. We get it in the common sense area. And I do agree with him. I'm started playing more and more of his clips uh, on like my show. And then you take a guy like our friend, our mutual friend, Joe Rogan, like Joe is speaking out more and more on things because Joe's got just, you know, he's got common sense in spades, man. And, and I tell people, I'm like, you know, Joe, Joe probably would have left it all alone until y'all started coming and messing with his money. Like, like when y'all came after, a, you, you come after a dude's woman and his wealth, you got a problem. Like that's going to be an issue right there. And so that's when Joe just kind of came out swinging it. And I'm pretty proud of him for, for doing it, standing up. And of course he's getting attacked and, and uh, you know, we're seeing um, various folks who, when they take a stand, man, they're like, ah, you're not supposed to do that. The puppet's supposed to bow down. You're supposed to, you're supposed to play the part we gave you to play. Don't bite, don't bite the master's hands. But you got to respect those guys who, who fight back and, and, and are, are people of conviction. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, but that's that hard part also is that, uh, the, all those people that we're talking about uh, use platforms that are controlled by corporate entities that seem to have a, uh, a well, a way to make money that feeds in to yeah. to their their ideology. Um, so it's and I, like I tell my wife, I'm like, hey, don't be surprised when when cancel culture comes around to get us. Like it should not shock us uh, when something right. happens. Like we shouldn't we shouldn't act surprised. So we need a plan now. Have a plan in place now for when that happens because that seems to be that where we are headed as a, as a society. Um, so they're, so, so for those guys, they're still on these platforms. Um, and you know, lucky for them, they, they, uh, they have a little more flexibility because of their audience 
So, so it throws, I think it throws some of the, 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 the tech senior leadership into a little bit of a conundrum. Like, ah, this guy has 25 million people looking at this ad, uh, because, uh, but he's saying this, so what are they? So, uh, so that, that part's really interesting when you have a, a, a Bill Maher, Joe Rogan, uh, in that, in that position. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a tough time. So I think that's going to be the battle of the next decade is going to be very telling as far as where we go and how we interpret the first amendment, um, in particular, uh, as it pertains to corporate entities and, and all the rest of it, there's some, th- there's a lot to discuss there. And I think that's how probably gonna be one of the most pressing, pressing issues that we have to deal with in the next decade when we think generationally, um, out in front. So, yeah. um, and of course the second amendment is the one that guarantees that first one. Um, yeah. But uh, but to have the First Amendment under attack is just crazy. And I, you know, I always put these up there like, in a lot of my reading lists, Constitution, Bill of Rights um, yeah. and in hardcover form for families, because it's different than just jumping online and typing in U.S. Constitution and scrolling through for a college kid, high school kid uh, to whatever you need. Like having them physically in a hardcover and in your house where people see them, it means it's different than when you Google something about the Kardashians, like that, those don't go in the same <laughs> bucket. Uh, but yeah. and having these in hardcover in your home, um, that, that to the kids psychologically, I think it makes an impact. Like these are, these are different than the other things out there that yeah. I might want to Google or jump on Amazon or buy or, or whatever it, it might be. Um, so getting into it, and I hope some of our elected leaders open these and read them. Um, because I know. For, for certain members of, uh, of Congress, it seems like this is an impediment rather than, yeah. and especially this bill of rights, um, rather than a guarantee that's based on natural rights, God given rights, um, not those granted by government. So, man, if we all had a foundation of understanding and people would take a breath and go read some of these documents and then go read some of the, uh, uh some, some of the histories that surround them and why these things are in place. Uh, I think you have a better perspective, a little yeah. more, more uh, well-rounded perspective on most of the other pressing issues of the day. No question about it. Yeah, I, I always say, you know, to your point, I said, we almost, we need a cultural bug out bag. Like, where are you going to go when the culture really shuts you down? But then I wish that our elected officials who have that delegated authority, and it is delegated, would spend as much time in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights as they do on Twitter. Uh, I think we, I think we'd be living in a different place. That's for sure. Yep. No, absolutely. Right. And that's what there are employees. We forget that as well. Uh, for whatever, they don't like to remind us of that. Um, but they are our employees. We pay them to be there. Um, and yet we seem to be giving them and the government more and more power, uh, over us. So you're giving your employees more power over you and your responsibility that uh, extends to providing for your family and protecting for your family. You're delegating a lot of that to government. I mean, it's not, wasn't that long ago where you had to go out and hunt to put food on the table where you had to physically defend your family from the threat of violence. Well, now let's say a very small portion of human history. Now call 911 if you feel threatened or go to the grocery store and get meat. So that's a very, so so it's still in there. That's what gives me hope more than anything else is that, for the vast yeah. majority of human history, you had to defend yourself and your family and put food on that table. So it's in there. It's in the DNA somewhere in each and every one of us, because the only reason you and I are here is because we had ancestors somewhere along the line that were good at those two things. And only very recently did you not have to be good at those two things to survive, 
to prevail. So it's in there. It's in there, yeah. each and every one of us. Uh, you just got to tap into it and take a breath, do some study, and make some good decisions for future generations because no doubt about it. That's why I'm so excited that you're you're running and you're stepping into to politics because we need good people in there. And you understand that the decisions we make today don't just affect us right now. They impact future generations. So, uh, so yeah. man, thank you for stepping up and stepping into the ring because, man, I think I'm too thin-skinned. I don't think I could do it. I like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm very good at the fighting part and I'm very good at the just, Hey, you know, that, that's part. but the middle part where you just put yourself out there as a target and just get shot by everybody. Uh, I'm not that good at yeah. that, at that part. I don't, I don't like that part. And that's what you're, that's what really any public figure does. So I do it to an extent now, but really when you step into that political yeah right ring oh my gosh i mean you are just a target for everyone so thank you for it doing it yeah well i appreciate you saying that and i do encourage people you know people say what about the skeletons in your closet i said look I, plenty of skeletons are just no closet he said we've got them arranged in the front yard like halloween decorations right i just put all the skeletons out there you can't hide anything anymore but i, I do encourage people go to prayther2022.com prayther2022.com uh has our political stuff and, uh, you know, if you care about Texas and everybody should care about Texas because so goes Texas, really so goes the rest of the free world. Uh, Texas is a big place that influences a lot. And uh, I encourage people to get the, get the book, check out the apparel, check out my show, the Chad Braithers show. You can go to watchchad.com. And uh, so, you know, we just have fun for a living, man. And, and it's a beautiful thing. But in the midst of having fun, we're trying to make a difference and, and really transform culture in, in a big way. So. Uh, I'm, I'm in it, man. I'm, I'm in the thick of it in that regard, but, um, I always appreciate your voice and, and everything you're doing, man, because it, you know, to the degree that cancel culture is out there, you know, you're, you're one of those guys with that value system. That's just kind of taking it to them with an art that, that they can't deny, they can't deny it. And so it needs to be out there. The masses need to be consuming it. And so I appreciate what you do as well, man. And, uh, Hurry up and get that fifth book out, okay? <laughs> I'm working on it right now. I'm on a, I'm on a deadline. I'm on a deadline. Work hard. Yeah. No, man. <laughs> thanks so much. Appreciate it because, uh, I mean, really, that uh, that other side, man, they uh, very early on got education. They got Hollywood, which is our main export to the rest of the world. Uh, professional sports now. Academia, of course. Yeah. Like, they, they've got most most of it. So, it's uh, that's why it's so important for us as parents to, to do, uh, you know, to do a good job with these kids and, and uh, uh, can instill in them that appreciation for our history and the reasons behind we have the, uh, behind the freedoms that we have today. So, man, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Am I crazy? It is, I love the title, like I said, and it is out there now. And also you can link to all your uh, social channels from the, from the website because you, you have a lot going on. And I hope I can get out there and see it yeah. in person soon. The set's amazing. I don't know if the location is, is super top secret, but it's a super cool place. I mean, what an awesome building it you guys is, are yeah. in and all the stuff in there is just amazing. I love uh, that, that visit that we had there and, uh, and the set's cool too. I'm taking notes cause uh, we're in the midst of a move right now. Yeah. So I'm moving into the, the new house yeah. and the new studio and I'm thinking, and I was just thinking about all those whiskey bottles you had up there for a while in the background and you can kind of switch those out. And, and, uh, it's just such a cool way that you have that set set up and it's, uh, it, it's awesome. Yeah. It's a cool, yeah, I mean, yeah, it really is. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate you. And hey, you're always welcome, man. Come on anytime. Dude, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, stay strong out there and uh, keep fighting because you're on the front lines. Thanks, brother. Awesome, Talk man. soon, Take Jack. care. Later. Welcome to the gear highlight portion of the Danger Close podcast. 
I was recently on a hunt up in Alaska, and you can find out more about that at officialjackcar.com. Hit the blog and find out more about the gear that I used on that trip. But a couple of the things that I used out there are Leatherman and Goal Zero. So let's talk about the Leatherman first. Right here, that is an old sheath right there. So that's my dad's old sheath from an original Leatherman. And, uh, but I put it, I changed out the old Leatherman with the wave. So the wave is, I'm not sure they make this exact one anymore, but, uh, the wave is probably my favorite Leatherman. And I've had a ton of them over the years. Uh, we have them in each vehicle. They're in drawers around the house. Uh, when I'm out in the back country, I always have one on me, but, uh, the wave has been my, my favorite over the years. Uh, and this sheath just awesome. You can tell it's pretty beat up. It's been around. And I went to see if they still made the same one and they don't make the same sheath, but uh, there's the the newer sheath that I got a couple of years ago. And of course, had another wave because two is one, one is none. So another wave, put that in here. And uh, just in case I ever, I don't know, lose this sheath or uh, but I want to hold this from my dad. But um, anyway, another sheath, wave Leatherman. Awesome. And uh, there's a bunch of different Leathermans out there, but uh, this one has a clip. On it, you can see right there. So you can clip that in your pocket. But uh, been around for a, a long time. Great, uh, great company, and uh, I always have one on me when I'm out in the back country. And like I said, they're scattered about. Always good to have. So, well, thank you, Leatherman. Awesome. Love what you're doing. And goal zero. So this is the Nomad 3.5 right here, and use this out in the back country, and works awesome. So powers up that right there. And of course, now our phones are our cameras for a lot of us. So I had my phone back there. So even though I didn't have service, I was using it as a camera. So I was charging that each and every day. And this one's the Nomad 50. So goal zero right here, took horses in uh, this time in Alaska. So I didn't have to carry this because the Nomad 50 is probably not one you want to carry too far if you're going into the backcountry and expecting or hoping to come out a little heavier than you went in with uh, with a moose or an elk or, or whatever it might be. But uh, this thing was awesome. So you open it up, it folds out, and it was very cloudy up there and overcast. And I wanted to test this out. I brought it in with, I think I had 5% on it. And even though it was cloudy, this thing charged this. And I probably could have just charged this before I went into backcountry. It probably would have taken care of us for the whole uh, 10, 11 days that we were out there. But uh, it charged that up to 100% through the clouds. Um, so awesome. Once again, fairly heavy. This is probably more of a uh, yeah horse packing thing or uh, tabbing your, your vehicle if you're car camping or, or something like that. So uh, this is the Nomad 50. I want to get the Nomad 10, which was a little bit bigger than this right here. So Nomad 10 will be my next purchase, a little bit bigger. One of the guides had it out there and uh, and it worked great. So that'll be one of my next purchases. Uh, if you want to know more about that hunt and some of the gear that I used, you can go to, uh, YouTube and check out my video there. You can go to Instagram. Uh, I think I posted the video there as well, or hit officialjackcar.com, go to the blog and the video is embedded in the blog post about the trip as well. So that is it. Thank you for tuning into the danger close podcast an ironclad original presented by six hour. Find out more about Chad Prather at watchchad.com and go to Prather2022 to find out about his run for governor of Texas. His book, Am I Crazy? is out now, available everywhere books are sold. You can find me at officialjackcar.com. You can link to Jack Car USA 
for the merch from there. And you can follow me on the social channels at Jack Carr USA. My latest book coming out this May 2022 in the blood is available now for pre-order. So check that out. And until the next time, stay safe, be strong, keep fighting. In case you missed it, on a recent episode of Danger Close, an Ironclad original, Jack Carr sat down with former presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard. Set aside all the labels, mm. you know, oh, well, because I've been getting asked this a lot, like, well, are you left or are you right? Are you progressive or are you conservative? What box do you fit in? Exactly, Which box do you check? Completely. Are you an enemy exactly. or right. Right. An How, uh, Like, what filter should I use when I'm looking at you? And, like, I've always been an independent-minded person. Mm. Always. Be sure to check out the full interview wherever you get your podcasts.